again, this week we have a double portion of the Harvard Kukoy site. Actually, in Eretz Yisrael, they have only been Kukoy site this week. Uh, they were one parsha ahead of us. So today we are actually going to leave it out. So that next week we're all going to be reading the parsha by Midbar before Shavuos. We're going to read the parsha by Midbar. We're going to go around, we'll just uh, go around the table and have everybody read uh, one pasuk, and then we'll get the idea. What we're talking about here is basically the laws of Shemitah. Now, uh, you know the laws of Shemitah? This year happens to be a, a Shemitah year. Shemitah basically has two, uh, two main laws. One of them is that the not a lot of work uh, the ground, I mean, not to sow, not to plow, not to harvest, uh, whether a field or an orchard, you have to let it rest. Shabbos, Shabbos, and Hashem. That's as far as the land goes. And then there's another part to Shemitah, which also has to do with monetary uh, loans that on Shemitah. Um, the loans are basically canceled. But that's another issue. That's not the discussion of this week's Bible. So, but one of the things that we want to discuss is we find the tremendous uh, encouragement for all of our Torah mitzvahs that we do. A lot of times people think that if we do things according to the Torah, the way Hashem instructs us, then we might lose out. Uh, people feel sometimes that in order for them to be successful, they need to compromise. They need to sort of not stand out. If we don't look Jewish, maybe people will uh, not know that we're Jewish and maybe they'll treat us better, we think, sometimes. Um, or in uh, various different situations. Some people think that if they don't work on Shabbos, they're not going to have enough money to live. And they think that they have to have, they have a business, and they think that they want to run the business on Shabbos. Keep it open. Why? Because Shabbos is a busy day. That's when people shop, and that's when they're going to make money. So we find in the passage over here by Shemitah, the Torah tells us that the seventh year, you have to stop all kinds of activity. And in those days, the main way that people sustained themselves was through agriculture. They used to sow and plant, and they used to harvest, and that's what they would eat, and that's what they would sell. So telling people that they shouldn't do it on a year basically didn't make any financial sense because how are they going to survive? So we find the Pasuk asks the Tomer Manova. And if you say, what are we going to eat? What are we going to eat? If we're not going to sow and we're not going to collect, so what are we going to eat? And Hashem tells them, I will give you my blessing. That when you keep Shemitah, you keep the laws of the Torah, you will get an abundance of blessings before the Shemitah, so that will sustain you 
for three years as we were going inside. So what does this mean? That means that if we do what Hashem asks from us, Hashem promises that He will give us His blessing. We find it by Shemitah, but the same thing is true in every other case. You don't lose out because you keep Shabbos. When you keep Shabbos, you're actually gaining. Because while it may seem that the cash register, you ring up a few more dollars, but everybody who's in business knows that it's not what you made that day, but it's really what is at the end. Did you gain at the end of your business or not? There could be a lot of unexpected uh, expenses, there can be sometimes uh, problems, you can be taxes, the government, you can have, do have other issues. So just to say that you made money because you were open on Shabbos, the business, that doesn't mean that you made money, that only means that for that day when you actually may be losing money, you actually are because you can't benefit from Shabbos. I'm saying Shabbos, but the same thing is in everything of our life. If we follow the Torah and we do what Hashem tells us to do, then Hashem says, I'll give you my blessing. I will instruct the blessing. So let's go around, let's do the Psukkim. And I wanted to uh, point out uh, something to you. The question is what I wanted to see. Is it okay to ask the question, what are we going to eat? Is that an okay question, or we shouldn't really ask which is the question, Hashem? Is that okay? Let's have a discussion about that. But let's first go inside. How come you don't have a sheet? You know it by heart? Uh, oh, pretty easy. Okay, can you take a break a little bit? And read for me? Okay, so do all of the base. The Lord spoke to Moshe Amon. So I say. Now, just before we go further, I just wanted to ask you, do you see something different in this case than the usual case? The verse has a little bit a different word that it doesn't usually say. Mm-hmm. Can you think of it? Yeah? Anybody can think of a different? What is the word different? Yes? It says on Mount Sinai. It says on Usually it says, Hashem spoke to Moshe Lemor. It doesn't say weird, Bahar Sinai. Now the question is, just by the way, I don't want to discuss a long time about it. What does it mean Hashem spoke on Mount Sinai? No, to Moshe. Right now, in the chronological order of the Chumash, it seems like we are way after what Hashem said to Moshe on Har Sinai. Right now, already we are talking about after the construction of the Mishkan, which took place the second year, and we're talking about uh, many parshas were given already from the Olam Moed. So all of a sudden we're going back and we're talking about Behar Sinai. That's another issue uh, according to the explanation, uh, the way the Rebbe uh, Rebbe explains this in the Sikhs. He says that Behar Sinai doesn't mean on top of Mount Sinai, but Behar Sinai means at the mountain of Sinai, not on top, because the Jewish people were still encamped over there, till we'll read later on, in Pachat Bamidbar to Chafir, they were still encamped over there. So the verse here is, but it's strange for the verse to give us the place. All the time it says just that God spoke to 
Moshe is saying. Here it says on the Mount Sinai. Why? But that's another discussion that Rashi discussed. Read that verse. Speak to the children of Israel, and you shall say to them, When you come to the land that I am giving you, the land shall rest on Shabbos before. Okay, so now this is another verse. Do you know the order of how. Do you know the order of how the uh, work the Shemitah year? Do you know? Usually, the way it works, you work for six days, right? For six years. And on the seventh year, you rest, right? Or you rest the first year and then work for six, for six years. How does this work? You work six years and then you rest on the seventh. It's a Shemitah. Or you start with Shemitah. You rest the first year, and then you work for the next six years. What's the orders? Six and the seventh is Shemitah, or the, the first is Shemitah, and then you work for six days, six years. Six and what? Six and seven. Because Shemitah, you work as you're going to see in the next passage. But what does it say in the verse that you just read? It says over here, when you come to the land I'm giving to you, you shall rest the Shabbos to the Lord. Yeah. So it seems to say that the first thing you do is you rest the Shabbos. But this is sort of the introduction. A Shabbos to Hashem means that you do L'Shem Shemayim for Hashem, that eventually, if you know that you're going to be resting on the seventh year, but when you start out and come to Israel, if that you have in mind, so then your six years of working will also be proper working years. For the same idea. What was the same idea? If people think that their success depends upon them. Which means they don't think that Hashem blesses them to be successful. But they think that why are they successful? Because they're very smart. Or they work very hard. Or they're very talented. Or they're very good business people. Or very different things. People take credit for themselves. So then when you work, you really think the more work you're going to do, the more successful, the more money you'll make, the more money you'll make, the more comfortable life you'll have, the more comfortable life you'll have, the more pleasure you'll derive, and everything will be, you live a very good life for yourself. That's what seemingly the world tells you to do. But the truth of the matter is that when you start off and you know that you're going to rest at the seventh year, you know that everything that you gain and you achieve is due to the success that Hashem grants you. Hashem gives you uh, the ability to be successful. So when you attribute it to Hashem in the beginning, also the six weeks that are going to follow, the six years that are going to follow, are going to be really work with, with a good feeling. You're not going to be overly involved in your work to the extent that it takes you sick or it gets you so encompass you that you don't you don't have time to daven and you don't have time to learn and you don't have time to do mitzvahs because you're always but if you know you start off and you know that it's Shabbos Lashem that eventually so that's why this passage perhaps is an introduction to understand the whole idea that in the seventh year, God will give you the blessing. It also means that even during the six years that you're working, it's not you that is doing it. It's God that's giving you success. And when you know that, that it's God that's giving you success, 
So then you're working differently. Then you're, then you're allow, then you don't cheat, then you're honest, then you don't take away what doesn't, take what doesn't belong to you. Then you make sure to do things in the right way because you're looking for God's blessing. You're not looking for your own ability for your own success. Okay, what do we do in the next verse now? Sheishanim. <coughs>
proclaim with the ship or blast in the seventh month on the tenth of the month on the day of the time you shut down the show by the One more blessing. And you should sanctify it. We'll continue. Uh, uh, you shall sanctify the fiftieth year and proclaim, pro proclaim freedom for slaves throughout the land, you all who live on it. It shall be a jubilee for you, and you shall return and to this property, and you shall return and return. Okay, now let's do verse 11. Okay, do verse 11. This fiftieth year shall be a jubilee for you, for you shall not sow, nor shall you reap its aftergrowth or take its grapes that you have set aside for yourself. So this is again, it's the same like a Shemitah year. So now the 50th year is treated again like the Shemitah year, right? So it's again, so it turns out that you're not going to be doing, plowing the land for two years, the 49th year, which is the Shemitah year. Then comes the Jubilee year, which is the 50th year, right? Okay, continue. Uh, uh, for its jubilee, it shall be holy for you. You shall eat its produce from the Okay, next. Uh, I didn't know. Look, it works out just perfect. Everybody, two verses. The staff of your oil having the test do is on the Then the jubilee you shall return to Israel's property. Now, here comes the question I read. If you verse is more important, do verse half. Next verse, the Chisom rule. So what are we going to eat on the seventh year, right? Continue finally. So chafalaf. Let's see. What do name is fine. that they can ask, what are we going to eat? Or 
It's not a legitimate question. They shouldn't ask, what are we going to eat? They should just trust Hashem. Yeah, what do you think? Good, good point, yeah. But what happens, okay, okay, very, no, you're saying something very important, we're going to discuss that, very important, you're saying something very important, but the, in the simple, in the simple context, it seems, that there's a certain amount of produce that you produce every year. Now all of a sudden we're telling you one year, don't work, don't do it, right? So there's going to be no produce, not only that, even the things that grow on their own, you're not allowed to be an owner of it. You've got to let it for the animals. It's have care, right? So that year, you're having less than you had all the other years. Hashem, what does Hashem say? I will command my blessing, and you will get on the year. Now here it says for three years. So what does it mean for three years? So let me explain to you the way Rashi explains over here. What does it mean I'll do it for three years based on what you started to explain? How, how does the crops, this is how it goes. People sow, and we're talking about in Israel and in most other uh, countries in this hemisphere because it's different in Australia or in other places where the uh, summer and the winter is on a different schedule. So there is different. But we're talking about the most places over here, the way the Gemara and the way Rashi brings down, they usually, the planting takes place right after Tishrei, like in Cheshvan, right in the beginning of the, uh, of the year, uh, you would say in, uh, in fall. That's when people plant. Now during the whole winter, the, uh, it's, in the, um, it's in the ground. And then when it comes to Pesach time, that's when you start to uh, cut. And then you cut, and then it lies in the field, basically the crops for the summer, where it dries out. And then when it comes to Sukkot, you bring it back into the house and you start the new crops. Right? So, technically, on the sixth year, when is the, when is the blessing come? Hashem says, I will send my blessing. When does that blessing come? Pesach time of the sixth year. You following me? It's a Pesach time of the sixth year because that's when you're cutting, right? So at that time of Pesach of the sixth year, there will be such an abundance for that year because on Pesach itself, that year itself will be a very successful. We'll have enough for that year. That's one year. Now, the next year, which is the Shemitah year, you're not going to sow the ground on Cheshven, after Sukkot, you're not going to sow the ground, right? So there's going to be nothing growing by Pesach, right? So that's a second year. And the third year, you're going to sow when? After Cheshven. When is that going to produce? When is that going to arrive? By Nisim. So that's the third year. So we're not talking about three whole years. We're talking about the blessing of Hashem is going to come for the end of the sixth year, for all of the seventh year, and from the beginning part of the eighth year. That is what is meant with the Pasik. 
it would produce for three years. For three years means these three years. Okay, that's the way Rashi explains this. Now, the question I want to go back is, is this a legitimate question to say to Hashem, why are, what are we going to eat? Is that a legitimate question? No one actually asked it. It's like a preliminary thing. I'm sorry? No one actually asked it. It's a preliminary thing. Yes, but is that a is that an acceptable is that an acceptable? Here, here, you're not supposed to eat. He was also like, and here's how you're going to get to eat anyway. No one had a chance to. But like, I'm sure people, even after they heard it, were like, I still am like, not going to the command. Well, well, no, it's it, 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 No, in essence, it's just if you say what you shall eat. But the fact that the Torah writes down this question, but more important from the answer of the Torah, the Torah says, V'tzivi says, Berchosi. If this was not a legitimate question, then it would not get a answer. But Hashem apparently considers this question as a legitimate question, and God actually tells you that I will tell you, I will give you your blessing. Now, you see, there's two types of questions that you can ask. You can ask the question of inquiry, which is a legitimate question. Which you say, Hashem is telling you, don't so. You're not complaining to Hashem. You're not angry. You're not challenging Hashem. All what you're saying is, so what are we to eat? So like when we read the Jewish people in the desert, they're always complaining to Moshe Rabbeinu. They're always challenging. The problem was, that was wrong. But for them to ask, what are we going to drink? Or what are we going to eat? That's not a challenging question. That's basically... What's happening? That's an informational question, basically, to find out what's going to be. So the fact that the Torah writes it over here, the chisomru manokal, you're going to say, what are we going to eat? That means, and the Torah gives an answer to that, that means is that this is a legitimate question. It's not that they're challenging Hashem's command. Oh, we can't keep Shemitah, because if we're going to keep Shemitah, what are we going to eat? See, it depends on the tone of voice, how you read. The chisemro, mamero, what are we going to eat? Or the chisemro, what what are we to eat? You know, it depends. Do you raise your voice and you say it in a in a dramatic way, or you say it in a way that you're asking a question? And it all depends on that. Here it seems like it's a legitimate question, but interesting. This would explain why is this question situated over here. We went through a whole bunch of Pesukim. We went through a whole bunch of Pesukim. We finished with Shemitah and verse Zion. How come the Torah all of a sudden remembered to ask the question, Why don't you ask it right away, Why ask it over here? You know? Because after it talks about the Yom because the Yom year is going to be Shemitah, and then Yom is going to be two years that you can't plant or eat. Okay, good, good question. Okay. Actually, the Barbanel says that that is actually, one second, is actually the meaning of the verse. The Barbanel says, the Barbanel says, well, how come look, look at which is located? The Barbanel explains, he says, that since the Torah told you now that you got two years, right? Now the question is, what are we going to do? We have to have Shemitah, we're not going to eat the 49th year. 
and then we're not going to sow the ground in the 15th year. Now we have two years that we have a problem with. So what would be the answer to that question? So how is the Torah answering that? So according to the Barbanel, three years would mean three whole years, not part years like I explained according to Rashi. It would mean for all of the sixth year, the normal year, all of it, the seventh year that you're not plowing and the eighth year that you're not plowing. It would be very simple. But, but look in the Pasuk, in the simple meaning. The simple meaning of the Pasuk says, It doesn't say, It says, What about the seventh year? And number two, this question, is it only because it's two years? And if it's one year, it's not a question? Let's say that two years is even a stronger question. But that doesn't really answer the question. The Barbanel learns that it means that we're going to ask the question, why, why are we going to do two years? But even if you don't plow for one year, we have the same question. And especially if you look at the language in the verse, it says, and if you should say, why would we eat in the seventh year? If it goes according to the Barbanel, it should have said, what are we going to eat in the seventh and the eighth year? And that's the only problem. But if there's a problem in the seventh year already, it should be said the first time around instead of the second time around, yeah? But then what about the year after the yellow year? Because that year they won't have planted the year before, so they won't have seeds. Yes, that's right. So that oh, you mean in general? But that's, according to the Barbanel, that's included in, you know, we just didn't sow two years. Those two years, produces Hashem will bless you, which means it'll be until the time we plant in the next year whatever it takes for that year to do. So every year does something, right? It does for that year, plus till the next time you send it to him. That means the year. The year is whatever. Here we didn't plow, we didn't sow the ground, so now it's going to do it anyways. So according to this, so, but the Rebbe Lekut Sikhas has an interesting interpretation. He says like this. The difference is, he says, when you're complaining about something, right? When you're intent to complain, then as soon as you hear something, you complain right away. But when you inquire what's going on, you don't start to complain right away. You wait till the whole thing is over and you hear the whole thing, and then you ask the question. The Torah is trying to imply, according to Rashi, because Rashi learns this way, the Torah is trying to imply over here that this question, the Chisomru, is not a question of a challenging question. The Torah is telling you this is just a question that they want to find out. That's why it doesn't come immediately. It will come immediately. Oh, you said we're not working on the seventh year? Question. Wow, what are we going to eat? You know, that would be a challenge. The Torah deliberately waits several psukim before it says the question to tell you that they didn't challenge Hashem. Actually, they were just, it was just an informational question. And we're not actually only talking about the seventh year. Rashi says, well, sometimes the Pasuk doesn't address here that the, 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 the land will not only do for three years, it'll do for four years, it'll do, in those cases. But that wasn't mentioned in the Pasuk. The Pasuk doesn't have to go through everything we learned, since that will be the blessing. But the bottom line is that we're going to get the blessing for whatever we lose out, we're going to get the blessing. And we find the very similar things. And you know in the Haggadah, we find these two kind of questions, sound very similar. You remember we have the son of the Chacham, and we have the, the son who is the Russia, right? What does the Chacham say? 
if you remember, in the Agoda, he says, Mo ha'edus v'amishpotim asher tziva Hashem alukeinu What's the next word? Etchem. What does it mean? What are the commandments and the laws of God that God has commanded? Etchem means you. Right? He's called what? A son of a chacham. Right? I mean, he's a chacham. What about the Rasha? What does he say? He says, Moha avoda hazos lachem. To you. So right away, you say, lachem, below low. He's saying, why do you have to do it, but I don't have to do it? But wait a minute. So what's the difference between the son of the Chochem and the son of the Russia? They're both saying, etchem, lochem. How come by the Chochem you're saying that he is a Chochem? Even though he's saying, why did the laws that Hashem told you? By the Russia, when he says, why is the laws that Hashem told you, you're making him into an evil person. Why is he more evil? And the answer is one key, because the Chacham says, Hashem He says right away, he's our God. You see, there's a difference between asking a question like a Chacham. A Chacham wants to be inquisitive. He wants to know the answers to the question. You know, in other religions, you're not allowed to ask questions. You gotta, you gotta believe, and that's it. You're not allowed to study, you're not allowed to ask questions. In, by the Jewish religion, we have to ask questions. We want it. That doesn't mean we believe in Hashem, of course, but we don't object to people asking questions. You ask questions, we try to study, we try to figure out the answers as much as we can. As long as these questions are not challenging, trying to challenge Hashem, we're trying to learn, to find out the mysteries of the Torah, the secrets of the Torah, the reasons behind, behind the Torah, that's nothing wrong, because that's not a challenging question, but rather those are questions that are meant to increase our knowledge and our understanding and our enthusiasm of doing mitzvahs. Because if we only do mitzvahs because we're told you got to do so, and if you don't do so, that's it, then maybe we're not going to be doing it with so much energy. We're not going to be doing it with so much excitement, because we don't really know why we're doing this. But if you can sort of get a sense of a feeling for it and an understanding and, and, and becoming excited about it, that makes your desire to do the mitzvah so much more because now you understand it. So therefore, the Torah entertains the question. If you say what you're going to eat, because if you didn't sow, you're not even allowed to take leftovers. What are we going to eat? Okay, I don't have the grain. So what are we eating? Basically, yes. And the answer is, Hashem will give us blessing. Similar like we find before, when Hashem gave them the manna. The Jews complained. They needed some food to eat. Hashem says, okay, they need manna, they ask properly. Because people need manna. They will. Hashem was upset the way they asked for the meat, because they didn't need the meat. So that's why he gave them in the evening. But the manna, he gave them in the morning. He gave them with a smiling face, Rashi says. And it also was, but what happens? Then they came Shabbos, and they said, what happens on Shabbos? Shabbos, you don't go out collecting. So the question is, what are we going to eat on Shabbos? Well, Shabbos says, Lecha Mishnah, you're going to have on Friday, you're going to collect double, that's going to be one for Friday, and one's going to be for Shabbos. So those are legitimate questions, and those are legitimate answers. Uh, that is different than people trying to be 
like when they were complaining in the Midbar and trying to challenge Moshe Rabbeinu over there, they were sort of uh, showing a disrespect, showing a disbelief. And after everything that Hashem has done for them, they still uh, sort of questioned Hashem. And that's why that was wrong. But in this case, uh, that's, that's okay. The, I guess the uh, ultimate message of all this is, again, is like I started off, is you don't lose out for doing what's right, basically. For doing what Hashem wants. At the end of the day, you don't lose out right. You don't lose out. You don't have to compromise and uh, do less in order to uh, gain more. On the contrary, if we know that the blessing comes from Hashem, so the more we do what Hashem wants us to do, then the more blessing we're going to get. So we're not going to get less, we're going to get more. And that is something that we all really have an in, intuitive, natural belief in HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that it's not us, it's really His, He's the one God gives you that strength to be successful. So we know that that is something which we get blessings from Hashem. And if we do that, and we trust in Hashem, and then we actually get to see Hashem's blessing. What time is the class over here? The bell yet? The bell's not working. The bell's not working. I got to run to the funeral, so I'm going to go. Okay. Good day. I don't think I'll see you next week. Probably look after we're winding down our ear pretty soon. Almost done. Okay. Have a good one.